Hello, I'm Joshua Groisberg, a history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. We'd like to welcome Kyle Rosenthal, a senior at Boston College and environmental activist. Uh, Kyle, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So I suppose our first question for you, Kyle, is where are you in the political spectrum? What are your basic political beliefs and ideology? Yeah, so it's funny because, I mean, this 2020 was the first um, presidential election I uh, was old enough to vote in. And so it wasn't really, you know, as big of a thing that I found really important, I guess, in high school. So I'd say I, I'm still in I, like a development process politically where, you know, putting a label on it here or there um, is definitely interesting and something I know will probably change. I'd say I'm definitely socially, definitely, you know, to the left of things and then left leaning economically as well. But especially, you know, in the U.S. that carries kind of a lot of different meetings and there's not always, you know, so many options. So I would say that's like how I generally, you know, describe it. So you're an environmental activist. What are some examples of that? What do you do for the environment? Yeah, so at Boston College, my real introduction, I'd say, to like actual kind of active activism, um, um, BC has about a $2.7 billion endowment as a school. Um, and so my, my work really started on trying to get BC to not invest any of that $2.7 billion in fossil fuels. And really from that, it just spiraled and kind of extended elsewhere. And um, I've done some activism to try to get um, the Massachusetts and New York State uh, pension funds divested, as well as the city of Boston. Uh, and then it's, it's really, again, extended a, a lot of other areas, too. We're right in like the Chestnut Hill Newton area of Massachusetts. And um, there's a big woodland called the, the Webster Woods. And it was um, about a year and a half ago, BC, my school, was bought that land and was going to be developing on that. And that has had a lot of environmental implications. There are some protected species in that area, and it really connected a big ecosystem. Uh, and so that, again, I think was a really important point for me where I kind of jumped in uh, with a few people and some different uh, environmental groups that I was in. Uh, and we went and we met with uh, city councilors, the mayor's office, um, community preservation committee members, and together kind of figured out how we could really go about protecting uh, those woods. But I'd say that was probably probably my proudest uh, moment as, you know, an environmental activist was that, you know, kind of project a little over a year ago. So you mentioned that you meet with professionals and, um, you know, edu- educated um, representatives, but how do you reach out to the uninformed or disengaged uh, citizens, uh, you know, peers, uh, younger, younger people who might be interested in environmental, environmental causes, or even uh, older people? Yeah, that's a great question. Because now, yeah, environmentalism and climate change are talked about so much, but I really don't know, you know how many people, all the nuances to that. Um, and like I said, I didn't even know what divestment really was until right when I came uh, to school at Boston College. I, you know, I'll be very honest, I, at BC, I study business and sustainability, but much more on like the strategic side of things. <laughs> I, I don't want to say I hate science, that probably will come off wrong, but like I, it's not something I'm like passionate about. Um, and I've taken classes on climate change. And, you know, learn the basics and, you know, I believe it's happening and know what's happening. But I think there's definitely a misconception that to care about the environment, you have to like be very passionate about the science. And once I got over that, it was a lot easier for me to talk to other people about it um, and to really find what it is that they care about. One of my really good friends um, at school, 
she is uh, very interested in like fashion and starting a fashion company. And, you know, you might think on the surface, how could we possibly talk about something like the environment? But, but you know, fast fashion and the discarding of goods and everything is, is varying. The water and electricity use in that industry is huge. And so just like finding kind of a pressure point with someone I found to be very helpful. And you mentioned also, you know, adults or people that may be even more disengaged, um, not necessarily my peers. But I think there's just a lot of, you can kind of find a pressure point or something that someone is passionate about that they're already, you know, interested in and how does environmental sustainability kind of connect in there. And in terms of like adults and, you know, not, not necessarily my peers, I think that just the show of passion, force and knowledge that we've seen with the climate strikes and with a lot of other things um, really kind of has, you know, pushed them to take action as well. Um, you know, people, a lot of times when I'm with people, they'll kind of joke with me about things. They'll be like, oops, I didn't you know, recycle that. And they'll say like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I, there's no reason to apologize to me as an individual. I think once people understand kind of like, that this is a collective, you know, task and endeavor that we're all on, I think is really important uh, in, you know, getting other people to be passionate about it. And I think also, you know, like we mentioned, I mentioned briefly divestment. That's a very large institutional action. And I think once I and other people start recognizing, you know, we do need to take individual actions here and there, but that's not entirely incumbent on us. It's, it's on corporations, government, and all these other stakeholders to take action. It becomes a lot easier, in my opinion, <laughs> to get people to say, hey, you know, I can, you know, make a call to a legislator or to talk to, you know, my boss in my office about just recycling that's a lot easier to kind of get over than saying like, oh, I have to change every single thing about my lifestyle. So I think, again, framing it in a way that it's a, it's a collective act that we can kind of all do together and, you know, do in places that we are already existing, whether the workplace, school, things like that. You've spoken a lot about working on the local level uh, for environmental activism, talking to your local uh, legislature, legislators and mayors. But I'm wondering if you have any plans for how on a national level we Gen Z and future generations can make um, the American business system more environmentally friendly and reduce pollution and, car and carbon emissions. You know, the, obviously there are people right now who are very upset with the current economic system in the U.S. and globally. And so I think there definitely is the argument to be made that that entirely, you know, systematically needs to be addressed. I'm, you know, very well aware, having studied business, that there. Um, you know, are also solutions within the existing structure. And, uh, you know, I don't want to necessarily get rid of any of those opportunities. You know, you said as Gen Z, what can we do? I think like millennials through Gen Z um, are already, you know, making a lot of choices that are having an impact and that, you know, companies are realizing. And I guess none of that goes against what I earlier said, but like as individuals, we can do quite a bit, whether that's you know, changing from one of the traditional banks to one that, you know, doesn't finance fossil fuels or, you know, just purchasing less or purchasing things in reusable, you know, ways. Um, I think, yeah, you said on like a national scale, what can we do? I think it really is just like the collective power of our voice. I think, you know, past generation didn't, they, they definitely did that in certain circumstances, but I think collectively, you know, we can kind of make it clear what we stand for and that, you know, we are collectively as a group, you know, to change, like we want to collaborate. It's not necessarily about who can gain, you know, the most power. And obviously that's still going to be a problem. And there's a lot of systemic things, you know, in that. But I think especially something I've learned having, you know, attended uh, college the last four years is like what, what it actually means to listen to other people, to give someone a seat at the table and to like center other voices. I, I don't think that was a concept I really understood 
until you know, like on campus, we had protests for racial justice. And that was the first time I think I, you know, truly understood again, what it meant to say, you know, who's not in the room that should be, who should really be leading this discussion. You know, it's not me, but I still can be supportive of it. I don't need to remove myself entirely. So I think that's something that a lot of us, you know, our age just understand because we're living through time where that's the case, uh, where that might not have been in the past. So I think, again, just figuring out how to listen and see, you know, how we can individually play one small part in all of this is, is really important. You talked a lot about your personal experiences with activism. Um, we're now in the binary. We're uh, about, we're a month and a half or so in at the time of recording. What are you What are you thinking so far on day one? Biden signed uh, the executive order to stop construction on the Keystone Pipeline. How do you think he's done in on climate change and uh, overall? Yeah. So I like you said. I think the canceling of the or at least delay of the Keystone Pipeline is incredibly important. And I, I honestly didn't see it coming. I mean, it was mentioned, but that was a big deal. Um, and so I'm very happy to see that. And, you know, beyond environmental sustainability, that's, you know, just plain indigenous justice, which we should already have in this country, and is a very, you know, intertwined issue there. I think the biggest thing he's done so far environmentally, and obviously, the you know, executive branch is limited in what it can do, but is really just a lot of his appointees, um, Janet Yellen for Treasury, uh, his nominees for um, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and, and just a few other departments that you know, traditionally haven't seen climate be a priority are now seeing that. And it's hard to say for sure, you know, what's going to happen because it's, you know, in the past month and a half, not a lot has necessarily been done. But again, just knowing who those nominees are, again, particularly Janet Yellen, it seems like there's now going to be climate disclosures as a requirement for corporations and a way to address, you know, corporate lobbying, uh, you know, especially on environmental issues and a lot of things like that. So again, I think just pushing for you know, those people and, you know, even EPA and, and all these other departments, I think just making climate an overall priority where it hadn't been before is really exciting. I can't say that it's going to necessarily last. I'll keep pushing for it. But if it does, I think that'll be kind of the biggest achievement that we've seen so far. What tactics do you think work well with with passing on a message to a broader group of people? So, yeah, I think <laughs> this is not a great answer because it kind of avoids it, but it, it really depends on the context. In terms of environmental, you know, activism, a lot of times it really is a numbers game and, you know, showing up in force, whether that's, you know, getting however many petition signatures to the right people or, you know, in non-pandemic times, getting enough people to show up for a protest or to occupy, you know, a building or an office have all been very effective. And some people who, you know, may not be familiar with activism as much listening might think that's a huge escalation to occupy someone's office. You know, I, again, it's my fourth year now working on divestment at BC and we still haven't gotten it and people have been calling for it for almost 20 years now at our school. And, you know, so it's, to me, escalation is kind of not really the right, right word to use. It's just, we, we are trying to have a dialogue on issues and for the most part, we're told no repeatedly. And I think that goes even beyond environmentalism to just anytime a young person opens their mouth, they're told, you know, that's, this isn't your place to speak on it or you're not knowledgeable enough. And so we really sometimes kind of have to get in people's face to have these conversations. And again, just showing up in force, showing our passion, um, you know, even just in, the, in a peaceful protest or a strike or a march really does get that attention and has led to productive dialogue. And so I think that has been very effective. Uh, and again, I, like I said before, you know, focusing on pressure points or trigger points or wherever someone may be passionate about something and, and leaning into that um, 
with the Webster Woods case I mentioned earlier, uh, a few of us, we showed up and testified at a meeting and we were wearing, you know, our BC gear. And the big surprise was, you know, we weren't on BC side. We were actually on the city's side in terms of preserving the woods. But like that, just that kind of switch and saying, hey, we're the real people, you know, who represent the voice of BC. We're the real people, you know, who care about <laughs> this issue. I think that was just really powerful. And just also, I think, in terms of activism, generally leaning into the fact that we are youth and we are going to be here for, you know, X number of years. We are the ones who are going to be affected by this. That's been a very powerful and, and honestly emotional argument that tends to be effective. Uh, and I think also finding just adult allies and wherever they can be supportive has also been very helpful. Again, whether, you know, there are adults who are already working within legislatures or even I've, I've connected with um, alumni from Boston College and various legislative offices, and they're always happy to talk to me because, you know, we start off talking about just the school and then we get into the issues. So I think there's a lot of different ways to go about it depending on the issue, but, you know, leaning into all of those things and especially our, you know, being youth has been very important. Besides uh, climate change, what are any other issues that you are involved in? I've been increasingly involved uh, in issues related to mental health, uh, particularly on college campuses, but also generally um, I'm a peer supporter on a, on a tech support line, which has been a very meaningful experience. And particularly in a pandemic, as you know, we all know, mental health is becoming you know, more important to talk about. And obviously people are going through you know, forced isolation and that you know, causes people to go through a lot. And one, one thing that really struck me coming back to school, because we're, we're in person um, this full year, both semesters, was there was not really an adequate space uh, provided for people to do uh, virtual therapy or kind of telehealth appointments of any kind. And that really me because, you know, I live with five roommates and, you know, I'm very close with them, but I'm not going to want to have certain conversations with them in the room. Where can I go? Because, you know, everything's virtual now. And that really surprised me again. And so that was something that, again, I didn't necessarily see as an issue of activism, but it kind of became one where, you know, I talked to some other people and they said, we're all going through the same thing. And, you know, we just together said, hey, you know, why hasn't anyone thought of this before? Um, and so that's been very important. And, and then, as I mentioned before, um, racial and indigenous justice and also LGBTQ plus justice have just, you know, the intersectionality with uh, environmentalism and environmental sustainability. It's it's all there. They're all, you know, kind of one and the issues all very much overlap. So those have all become very important to me. And uh, things that just being in within kind of a community of activism, I, I know different people in those spaces now and, 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 you know, finding out how I can best support them. But I know that I, I am new to them and it's not, I'm not the leader in that space in any way. So um, that's something I'm increasingly looking forward to kind of working on. Do you encounter any, any large opposition and how do you deal with that? Yes. So yeah, as you alluded to significant resistance from our administration and just adults generally, and I think we kind of lean into that and are aware of it. But we have had resistance from peers. Uh, my freshman year in our student government, we um, passed a resolution on divestment. But that was really my first kind of public, I guess, confrontation with, you know, anyone on these issues and having to actually defend, you know, what I stood for and, and why. Uh, and it was very minor. It was, I think, you know, two out of 20 of his senators in our student government um, ultimately voted against it, but they, you know, kind of challenged me in, in a debate format uh, over the, the resolution we were passing. So I would say that there hasn't been significant resistance, but th there has been some. And uh, I think the way we counter it is just being, you know, as educated as we can. Again, 
in the past from my freshman year to my senior year, I know so much more and I wish I could go back and say, you know, you should have read this all or this paper, uh, you know, before you got up there and spoke. But I think, again, the thing that I've learned just throughout, you know, life and college is once you know what you don't know, you know, that's when you're most knowledgeable and that's when you can be the most powerful. And I think I'm getting to that point where I know what I don't know and I've accepted that and I can say, you know, I don't know the answer right now, but here's an expert who does, or here's a person who that is, you know, their topic to talk about. Uh, and I think that has been very impactful when, you know, getting any oppositions from someone. And then again, even when it's, it's a peer, we really do still lean into the youth aspect of things. It's, it's especially for environmentalism. For me, it's very easy to say, you know, think about your kids. And, you know, some people might say like, that's crazy. But like, when you really think about it, you know, in 85 years, we, we know that things are going to be different from how they are now. And we can control what that looks like today. And I think people are more comfortable with that. And again, I've, I've really harped on it, but just finding what people are passionate about. And so there are some people who I will talk about issues in just a very different way, especially on our campus, at least, you know, you have the arts and sciences students, the business students, the nursing students, and the education students. And, you know, when I'm talking to a business student, which I am one, I'm entirely talking about financial, you know, arguments for different things. When I'm talking to a philosophy major, I'm talking about the moral arguments and, you know, using what they know. And, you know, again, I know what I don't know. Now I know, you know, people have these different things to talk about and, and things they're passionate about. And now that I know that I can approach things in an entirely different way, even though I have the same end goal and I'm doing it for whatever reason I'm doing it for, doing it for what they're doing it for. And we just kind of, you know, find where we can, you know, meet on that and hopefully bridge some sort of divide. Are there any current stories, any current news that interests you as of now? I mean, like I said, I'm very interested just to see how, you know, environmentalism plays out uh, largely on the national and local stages. And I know it was actually just yesterday, the Respond Act was just reintroduced in Congress with Senator Merkley, I believe. Uh, and that is to create an option for um, any federal workers, which there's millions of them, to divest their personal pension uh, fund. Because right now, uh, if you're a federal worker and you have your pension fund, it's kind of invested for you. And part of that is within um, fossil fuels. And so this is kind of giving an option for them not to be invested in fossil fuels. And uh, I think it's like $685 billion worth of investment there. So that would be a significant impact on the fossil fuel industry and, you know, just sending a message about, you know, what they stand for. So I'm following that very closely uh, and making sure and, you know, reaching out to any federal workers I know to, to help push for that. And so everything around that uh, is something that I'm really very interested in. And then completely, you know, nothing we've even mentioned in the slightest and that I'm not even too knowledgeable about, but I'm very interested foreign policy wise to see um, what kind of continues to happen in the Middle East, particularly with Israel and, you know, how Biden responds to that. And again, I know that's a very complete tangent from what we've been talking about, um, but that's something that I've, you know, increasingly been following. And, you know, I'm just interested to kind of see again how that plays out. And I think I don't think a lot of people outside of, you know, the very insiders really know what decisions will possibly be made because it hasn't been very clear and it wasn't an issue brought up very much, you know, throughout the election. So I, I just, you know, would love to hear more about, you know, what, what ultimately does happen there, whether there's new Israeli elections soon, all of that. Do you have anything you'd like to say to our audience in our final minute? 
Yeah, I mean, just, you know, as a young person who didn't expect to be, you know, even considered an activist, and I still hesitate with that word sometimes, um, you know, pick what you're passionate about, whether it's even considered an issue or not, and just and lean into it. Um, I, I really didn't think I would. I feel like everyone says that, but you really can have a, you know, big difference and big impact by just contacting one person, whether in a legislator in government or, you know, a company that you're working for or want to work for or even just, you know, a faculty member or administrator at your school, there's, there's so much you can do. And like, I, I wrote an op-ed once for my school newspaper, and completely changed like our, our grading system in high school. And I had no idea that would happen. But yeah, I think my biggest thing is just lean into whatever you can, and know that you, know, you can make a difference, whatever it is that you want to. Kyle, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Also shout out the College Climate Coalition, which is um, an international organization that I helped co-found just a few you know, short months ago um, of climate justice campaigns at universities across the country. So definitely check them out, um, Instagram, Twitter. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. If you just search Kyle Rosenthal, you know, I'd love to share any takes with anyone who's willing to follow. that concludes this episode of Gen Zers Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zers Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zers Talk Poly, with an I, and add or email us to ask your burning questions. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time. <laughs>